With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. It is Friday. Let's see how my voice holds out the next two hours. Hey, it happens. Uh, sometimes there's a bug going around here in Mexico. People all left and right um, got got some sort of bug. Uh, the next two hours, I got uh, first hour returning guest, Giant Bandari. Uh, he's fantastic. I think he's up in Canada. He just published a piece today for Lou Rockwell. Um, dot com and second hour first time guest Matt Roesk from Cultivate Elevate to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, feel free to call in uh, anytime to chat with us when the guests are are live, uh, or you can send in comments through my email. That's the easiest way. If you want uh, me to read one of your uh, questions, uh, just uh, shoot me an email through the contact form. Uh, also, last December. Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February 20 and 21 at the UK High Court to determine whether Julian will have permission to appeal or whether he will be extradited to the United Soviet States of America. TNT will be at the Royal Courts of Justice broadcasting and covering the entire two days if required. Then TNT will broadcast from various locations throughout London lighting the fuse for freedom as we always tend to do uh, and what's happening around the world this was a crazy story coming out of my hometown chicago uh chicago sometimes reprinted it but um it says no cash accepted signs are bad news for unbanked americans more businesses are declining to accept cash that shut out millions of people who don't have bank accounts, credit or debit cards from participating in our increasingly cashless economy. The algorithm ghetto is coming for us. Uh, and I particularly noticed this in the United States. It's not I don't think I've come across in Mexico a place that does not yet accept cash. But in the US uh, last year when I visited um, left and right uh, places said no cash accepted. And uh, this article goes on to explain, obviously, how dangerous this is. Uh, more and more people are, um, uh, and this is written by a business uh, school professor who researches society's transition transition from cash to electronic payments. He said he recently visits, visited Seattle and was amazed by the mixed signals he saw in many storefronts. Numerous shops had one sign proudly proclaiming how welcoming and inclusive they were next to another sign saying no cash accepted this tells people without bank accounts that they aren't welcome so um, again we see this trend everywhere it's dangerous because they want to get rid of cash again and if they do that and they force us all to have some sort of account either with a bank or some online fintech or directly with our central bank with the cbdc 
then the problem becomes if we don't do what they say if we don't jump when they say how high or is it <laughs> is it yeah or when we don't jump when uh, they tell us to jump our form of payment will not function uh it's it's the, the mark of the beast system essentially and this was um interesting news coin telegraph reports that um swiss city of lugano embraces diverse digital currencies future a future where bitcoin stable coins and central bank digital currencies can coexist in the swiss city of lugano uh says it's quite possible uh and so i've kind of said this from the beginning my view has been that bitcoin is a globalist trojan horse but um even if it's not maybe they can make it so uh you know maybe there's a way that they can make bitcoin irrelevant i don't know or they can incorporate it into the global algorithm ghetto system it seems like that's what they are trying to do co-opt bitcoin you know what if larry fink buys up all the rest of the the, the bitcoins um so that's an interesting development out there in switzerland meanwhile iraq Iraqi parliament is calling to ditch the U.S. dollar for oil trade. The Finance Committee in the Iraqi parliament made a statement um, a day or two ago calling for the sale of oil in currencies other than the U.S. dollar, aiming to counter U.S. sanctions on the Iraqi banking system. Uh, you know, last time they tried to do that, look what had happened to Saddam uh, Hussein. And so there's a trend there. Uh, and, and chocolate. Soon you will eat the um, fake chocolate bugs cocoa settles at its highest price since 1977 cocoa futures settled higher for a sixth straight session today with prices marking another settlement at their highest in more than 46 years uh as well due to some of the weather issues and whatnot they say that the cocoa market is likely to face a supply deficit for the 23-24 crop year for a third year in a row so but that's okay they'll just re replace the chocolate uh, ingredients with uh more crickets you know worms fly larvae uh cockroaches uh, you know mashed up cockroaches that sort of stuff um and what else is interesting bit shoot so now we're seeing bit shoot uh launch pay shoot creator monetization uh, features so bit shoot um has taken a leap forward inaugurating their novel monetization platform pay shoot uh, they're going to have chat bomb feature uh and so now we're seeing the alt tech build itself out because pentagon tube you know youtube doesn't let us speak freely and so that's why tnt radio was put together uh, and you know rumble is building out its youtube like uh, systems and now bit shoot the problem becomes for for those of us that have podcasts and whatnot which one do we use? Do we use all of them? Which horse do we bet on? That's a tough one because tomorrow, you know, they might be gone uh, as we've seen uh, Odyssey have uh, the issues that they have had. So, uh, all right, uh, a quick reminder to give TNT Radio a follow. We're on all the major social platforms, including Facebook, X, Instagram, Gab, Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk TNT. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. Vilifying MAGO is just not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. According to multiple outlets, a German former spymaster who was once in charge of hunting down neo-Nazis 
is being observed by the same agency he used to run after being branded a right-wing extremist. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Herbori. Um, wow. Uh, this is talk, talk about coming full circle. Uh, very interesting. Um, this is Hans-Georg Massen, uh, who was the head of Germany's BFV domestic intelligence agency under Angela Merkel. Uh, and he was uh, still a member of her CDU party until recently. Uh, he was dismissed as BFV head back in 2018 after appearing to play down the threat of violence from right-wing extremists who were rioting in an eastern German city. In the five years since, Mr. Masson has become known for his increasingly radical commentary on the threat he claims immigration poses to Germany. Ah, his stance has made him a hero to far-right activists, uh, including some of the circles surrounding Heinrich the 13th Prince Royce, the aristocrat who led a foiled coup attempt in 2022. Uh, Mr. Masson said on Twitter, quote, Germany is clearly afraid of me, end quote. Uh, he added that the country was using the internal security agency to monitor him and the party he has founded. Mr. Massan published a letter from the BFV sent in response to a freedom of information request by his lawyer, confirming that he featured extensively in their databases tracking extremists. The BFV, which is Germany's equivalent of uh, the UK's MI5, or I think basically like the FBI. Uh, yeah, they've gathered more than 20 pages of allegedly questionable constitutional statements by their former boss. The 61-year-old former spymaster was also accused of meeting leading members of the hard-right Alternative for Germany AFD to advise them about how to avoid observation by his own former agency. After leaving the BFV in 2018, Mr. Masson ran as an MP for the CDU in Saxony, where he was accused by his former agency of using, quote, anti-Semitic stereotypes to attract votes, end quote. Mr. Masson resi resigned his CDU membership a few days ago, posting a picture of his membership card uh, cut up into pieces uh, and declaring that the conservative opposition party was, quote, committed to a neo-socialist society that has the potential to slide into totalitarianism, end quote. He also wrote an essay calling for, quote unquote, painful operations on migration entitled, quote, chemotherapy for Germany, end quote, likening immigrants to a form of cancer. Eek. Mr. Masson has been elected as chairman of the, quote unquote, values union, a former fringe group within the CDU that is now running as an independent party. It is said it would go into coalition with the AFD, the new party's 
Deputy Chairman is a former vice admiral who was criticized for praising Putin's China, I mean Putin's <laughs> Russia, nice Freudian slip, as a quote-unquote Christian country that is needed as a bulwark against China. In light of the new information, the German MP Mart Martina Renner has called for a parliamentary committee in the Bundestag to investigate Mr. Massan's activities during his period of service. Pervori, how interesting. He went from hunting down extremists to now being hunted down as an extremist from the same agency he used to be in charge of. What do you think? I think what we're witnessing, and I keep minging on about this, is the globalist transnational corporate technocracy, basically, is building out this international infrastructure to prevent democracy in any nation. And... Um, uh, this guy, Hans, is uh, the latest who's been caught in the crosshairs. And, you know, they must be afraid because they can probably see the strong potential Hans would, would have to become successful in German politics. He surely has as well a lot of connections, right, given his um, position. Uh, but some of the statements are absurd where they say that he's quoted as saying discussing the fanaticism of the green of the ruling green party reminding him of the fanaticism of the chinese cultural revolution in the khmer rouge we talk about that daily it's it's true the you know the ruling system in germany and such countries is pretty um it's fanatic when when they're getting rid of their energy use and you know deliberately trying to kill their own population that's pretty it's pretty fanatical if you ask uh me and and wanting to poke the bear right um they want to risk uh, risk nuclear war with their neighbor russia and whatnot so he, he was accurate there but he's just pointing out their own totalitarianism uh and so again the point here is we, we keep seeing it everywhere bolsonaro trump uh, Imran Khan um, in Haiti, uh, is it Mo Mo Moises? Uh, I forget the guy's name who was assassinated. Back, I think th there's evidence that it was DEA or CIA involved, and so he, this guy is the latest one to to be caught in the globalist um, crosshairs. Uh, that's that's what I think. Your further thoughts? Yep. Uh, yet another example. You speak up about the fact that you don't like your country being destroyed from within and that makes you an enemy to your country somehow. Um, whereas I don't know uh, if you are actually a member of said country and you care about the country, you might consider that to be heroic rather than um, villainous. Uh, but yeah, they, they, this is the common thing. They just keep the, it's the same trope over and over again. Oh, you're an anti-Semite. You're an extremist. You're a fascist. You're a tyrant. You're a dictator. They called uh, Trump uh, Hitler all the time. Yet, you know, look at the way Biden acts and his administration. I mean, wow. Uh, yeah, it's projection uh, at, at least, I guess. And I'm reading his comments now, which I basically said what, he, what he said without even reading it. He said uh, on, on X... The federal government is obviously afraid of me and it, and he accused the interior minister of abuse of, of power to combat political uh, opponents and he says accurately he's never seen such a complete overview of political activities and statements in the stasi files of prominent dissidents and you know i mentioned yesterday uh, cj hopkins who's out there in berlin he was acquitted he called on on twitter 
he called the German health minister a Nazi, which I don't disagree with for trying to force inject us like uh, and carry out eugenics experiments with us. Um, he was acquitted and now they're appealing his uh, acquittal. So again, just you see so many signs that um, when you talk about neo-Nazism, our, our Western governments are basically have become uh, you know, history is back to the future, Rakis. We are back to the future. Uh, all right, catch up with you in a bit. We've got Jayant Bandari uh, joining us. Feel free to call in or leave questions. We'll be right back. TNT's Steve Malzberg. If a president could be prosecuted for things he did, which he believed and was advised by his lawyers, what, what was was the duty of the president to do, and then after the fact, after he's president, he could be prosecuted. The example has come up today many times. Well, when Joe Biden leaves office, he could be prosecuted for not securing the border. Barack Obama um, okayed drone strikes against American citizens overseas. He could be prosecuted for murder. I mean, this opens up a whole can of worms. Um, Pandora's box, I think, is the term that uh, that Trump used. Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk TNT. In a democracy, the majority vote rules. But in most democracies, you can only vote for change every three or four years. To understand what people want, governments and political parties use focus groups. These focus groups can include as little as 20 people. Australia is a country of over 25 million people. Does making decisions based on 20 people sound fair to you? Have your say. Be heard in between elections. Download the 4MySay app now. That is number 4MySay. Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored news. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Returning to the Rebel Transmission is Jayant Bandari for the first time in living color here on TNT. He was director on the board of Gold Canyon. Um, He emigrated from India. Uh, He started and ran Indian subsidiary operations of two European companies. He's written on many issues, political, economic, and cultural. He's also got a yearly philosophy seminar in Vancouver called Capitalism and Morality. Jayantbandari.com is his website. Uh, Welcome back to TNT, Jayant. Uh, Thanks uh, very much for having me again, uh, Orwe. Yeah, I wanted to get an update from you. Uh, I did get some uh, listeners saying uh, that I should have Jayant Bank, Jayant back uh, as well. You've also got a new piece uh, which dropped today on Lou Rockwell, uh, and and I enjoy our discussions on the West versus the East. I've slowly moved a few inches toward your view. You know, you're living in the developed world. I'm living uh, in the developing world here in Mexico, uh, and we're seeing a transit, a crisscross. You know of first worlders fleeing to the third world and vice versa. Uh, And I was listening to your recent chat with Gabriel of Watchman Privacy, who's a semi-regular guest on the program here. And something, you know, you mentioned a number of interesting things. One thing you said was it it would take hundreds, if not a thousand years for the U.S. to become like uh, India. So maybe to start your thoughts on the state of the West uh, and the rest today. Um, So, um, yeah, I indeed uh, should have said that. And uh, what I basically meant with that was that with immigration from India gaining pace, it might take another 500 or 1000 years for Indian majority to kick in in the US. 
And that is when the degradation will truly start happening in the US. Uh, what a lot of people think is that um, uh, America is a melting pot. America was a good melting pot as long as uh, immigrants were mostly from the developed uh, countries, from uh, particularly North Europe. Uh, also, over the last 30 years, uh, the US has brought in a huge number of uh, Indians, about, I guess, about two to three million Indians. Um, but these are all well-educated people working in the IT industry or uh, entrepreneurs who are who run motels or 7-Elevens kind of things. So they are not necessarily the mainstream Indians. Once you start getting mainstream Indians, you will have um, chaos emerging, noise level will go up, smell level will go up. Uh, and unfortunately, that is unavoidable because that is that comes with with Indians. That's the ecology of India. But in, and in general, you know, we're seeing an insane influx of um, uh, migration coming from the south into the U.S. You know, and, and even Mexicans here uh, are not happy because they say the ones that don't get into the U.S. stay here in Mexico uh, and they're not happy with that. And, you know, in your article on Lou Rockwell, you discuss how you say, quote, the only way to get any work done in India, you talk about what life was like in India and how you left. And you say the only way to get any work done was by fooling or bribing the bureaucrats. And you say, I was transitioning from a society built on distrust to one characterized by trust, though I wasn't aware of these concepts then. And I've been following some of the people commenting uh, on Latin America, which is interesting for me, where, where I live here. And they were also using that term of low trust society. And I even had one of my guests here on TNT who lives in California or Arizona tell me how now in the United States, you, everyone knows here in Mexico, Latin America, you have this culture of extortion, kidnapping, right? Um, I live in a gated community. We've got bars <laughs> on our windows. Uh, and I've been told now in the US, you've got Mexican or other Latin American migrants kidnapping each other within the US. And so this is sort of uh, spreading. So you, you, your sort of thoughts on this flood of, of migration um, and, and you know, what that might portend. So uh, it, very interestingly, in Surrey, in Canada, the same thing has started. Extor Indian extortion rackets have started operating. It's a huge problem uh, in, in Canada now. Uh, people are getting letters asking them to uh, pay, pay up. Um, or uh, get shot. Uh, and there, there are now uh, more regular shootings happening in Canada. Canada was, uh, when I moved into Canada uh, 20 years back, it was one of the most boring, most peaceful, most quiet places on the planet. Uh, Vancouver was extraordinarily safe, as safe as, um, let's say, Tokyo or um, Hong Kong is. Uh, now you have regular uh, murders in uh, Vancouver, regular stabbings in Vancouver. So yes, indeed, the culture of the Western society is changing. Uh, what people mostly forget is that institutions don't come, don't appear from nowhere. They are a product of the culture, the underpinning culture of the people. And if the people, the quality of people changes, institutions, beliefs, uh, the way the government and the society works will start changing. And uh, that is unfortunately happening because 
you know, the gangs are becoming uh, more and more powerful in the U.S. because you are bringing in a lot of Hispanics. Um, you have more tribalism in Canada. You have more tribalism in the United Kingdom. There's a more of Islamist influence in, in the whole of Europe. So uh, immigration is leading to, uh, you are not only bringing in people from the third world, you are also bringing in third world cultures. And it's extremely, extremely important to understand that. And how much can, you know, Canada, Ottawa, Washington, the US, how much do you think uh, they can sustain this this influx? You know, are, you know, are we talking about, you know, a couple of years, decades, another century, you know, for, from your feeling when it comes to the, the strength of the economy, the, the US dollar, the Canadian dollar, the institutions, I, uh, you know, had a guest on last week, Daniel McCarthy, who said this next election in the US is going to basically going to put the system on trial. Uh, and so just your thoughts on, uh, you know, how much Canada and, and the US have in terms of longevity? Um, not much. I think they are past the point of no return. Uh, in fact, uh, that is true with virtually all of the Western countries. Uh, the problem with Canada today is that close to 40% of Canadians are first or second generation Canadians. Uh, a vast majority of uh, new immigrants to Canada are from uh, the third world. Uh, the top uh, five uh, immigrant uh, providing countries to Canada are non-European countries. So the influx has changed very rapidly. In the 60s and 70s, most of the immigrants who came to Canada came from Europe. So that really, that didn't really change the culture of Canada in any meaningful way. But now because of most, because most immigrants are coming from, let's say, India, Nigeria, um, Afghanistan, and in fact, uh, now, you know, Afghanis and uh, Nigeria are among the more dominant immigrants in Canada. Um, this will, this has changed uh, Canada and the US and the rest of the Western world has gone a point of no return uh, and they are all um, boosting their immigration. Uh, they, uh, Canada wants more immigrants to come in, uh, despite the fact that crime has gone uh, off, off the charts, uh, uh, get, uh, there's a huge inflation in the country, but because uh, Justin Trudeau thinks in terms of the taxes he can collect, the more people he has, the more taxes he can collect. And that's the only math that happens in his mind. And then he can virtue signal because he, he himself lives in a gated community surrounded by security. So he doesn't have to worry about any of those things. And he can look all good and fine because uh, he has been he thinks he will be seen as so virtuous by the world. Yeah, and they say even in the U.S., uh, you get more uh, mig migrants come in, they get more uh, votes, and, and they openly say cheap labor uh, for the Democrats and whatnot. And so it's time for our headlines. We'll be right back. What brings you here? News. News entirely. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis has responded to allegations surrounding her relationship with Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade in the context of the election interference case involving former President Donald Trump. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer announced plans to expedite the Senate vote on a significant migration-expanding border plan, which also includes substantial aid for Ukraine. Elon Musk expressed frustration with Delaware after a court in the state nullified his $56 billion pay package from Tesla. 
We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24-7, 365, we never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth, from government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's News Talk, this is TNT Radio. Again, I encourage uh, people to go uh, to Giant's website. The link is in the will be in the description if you catch the recording later and follow him on X, uh, Twitter, and check out his website. You can subscribe to his email list, uh, and then you'll get uh, as well notification of his next uh, capitalism and morality um, conference seminar. Um, and, you know, j- just one more thought along the lines of what we were discussing, this low trust in the third world, so to speak. And I, I just ever I wonder, living here in Mexico, what does it take to change, you know, to go from low trust to high trust? And you look at just past history, you know, decades, 100 plus years pass and it doesn't really change. And it's just kind of it almost seems hopeless. Do you have any thoughts on um whether this this can uh, change or if it's just a fool's errand uh so remember mexico is an exceptional case mexico is one of the better of the third world countries so there are countries that are much worse than mexico as you go south from mexico things actually deteriorate quite a bit Uh, if you go to africa or if you go to the indian subcontinent there's actually no trust. You you don't you have to watch your back all the time. Uh, I I think it's at least a two or three millennia long process to uh, establish a civilization. Um, you if you look at how Europe got to where it did, uh, there was um, a, a, a classical European uh, thinking revolution that happened uh, two and a half millennia back. Then Christianity came, and then there was already an honor culture in Europe. And intertwining of all those things resulted in what we got as the European civilization. This is a really long process. Uh, and uh, uh, you see, colonizers realized that, that uh, sometimes they had to take babies away from their parents to ensure that these babies did not imbibe magical thinking. Um, and you know, the, the, there's a symbiotic relationship between the concept of honor, trust, integrity, uh, mag- you know, not mag- not having magical thinking, rationality. So uh, colonizers and Christian missionaries realized that they had a real hard job at hand. Uh, and despite that, they were ruling these third world countries for 200 or 300 years back, 300 years they made a very small impact on these countries. And since their departure, things are returning back to their pre-colonial status, which means that uh, in from what I see, Latin America is going back to where it, it is supposed to be, which is uh, what it was like before Europeans came. Uh, Africa is very solidly going that way because it has it does not have so many European people living in it. Indian subcontinent is well on its way to uh, self-destruction. So uh, forget about 
how you develop trust in these societies, how you convert these societies into civilization. You have to worry about the fact that they are actually regressing back to their uh, pre-colonial, pre-Christian missionary days of um, wild uh, tribalism, wildness, um, savagery, and barbarism. And that's what we are heading towards right now in a lot of those countries, most of those countries. And, you know, I, I would agree. And uh, I'm speaking as an American um, Mexican. So if anyone wants to call me uh, racist or anything, I got my Mexican passport. So I am a Mexican. No one can say uh, anything. But I, and I would agree with you, Mexico is one of the better places. But, you know, even even now, some of the, the, the real short term thinking, you know, there's all this money wanting to pile into Mexico now. Uh, I was reading that in terms of uh, emerging markets and bouncing back from COVID, um, some analysts were saying, you know, Mexico is doing it th the best, yet we have on the highways here um, bandits. They're, you know, all these big trucks and, and companies bringing stuff in, uh, they're being robbed. So how can any, you know, international corporation then invest if you even, you know, down in Chiapas where they got the pyramids uh, where I visited about a decade ago, I can't go there anymore. The cartels have taken over tourists can't go there uh, anymore and then as you mentioned you know ecuador just collapsed into lawlessness um colombia isn't like looking good uh, the last i read there were eight dead um americans and usually these types of americans were doing stupid things you know chasing women um in a foolish way getting drunk but it's just i think what you're saying i'm seeing the same thing in latin america uh and i, I did also want to get your thoughts on the state of you know, the Western empire and maybe getting a little geopolitical uh, and wondering if Washington might be knocked off its throne. You know, I'm, I'm seeing increasing commentary from even establishment folks like Niall Ferguson, the historian, I think uh, he writes from Bloomberg. Uh, I forget if he's British or American, but he's an establishment figure, Council of Foreign Relations and all that. He's been talking about how Pax Americana is dead and and of course you know the the chinese are writing about that all the time in global times and russia in, in their publications uh your thoughts on that uh, absolutely uh pax americana is dying very rapidly uh, america will continue to be the best country and the strongest country into the foreseeable future but america's influence on the world is rapidly declining um, and that also means that uh, the, 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 they will get more refugees and immigrants and illegal migrants coming to the U.S. and that will actually continue to put the U.S. into a vicious cycle. Um, and because, uh, you know, a lot of people think that um, democracy maintains stability in a lot of third world countries. That's actually not true at all. It is the fear of America which maintains its stabilities uh, in the third world countries. So as America weakens, Pax Americana will have um, a multi-layered effect, a negative effect on the world. Um, and uh, East Asia, China and Japan are not really prepared to uh, police the world. Uh, they probably don't even have the philosophical capabilities to police the world because they are not so interested in what happens in the world. They are interested in how they can benefit from the rest of the world. So yeah, we are actually entering a phase when there is no Pax Britannica and there will be no Pax Americana. Uh, and we don't see anything, uh, any other country taking over the leadership from uh, the US.
and I have to ask you about bricks. We've talked about this before, but again, I've been looking at some of your recent interviews. They're they're linked on your website, and I, and I like getting. I, I share your view, and I want to get that across more as an alternative. Where I, I kind of, I personally um, don't believe the hype when it comes to bricks and the uh, and multipolarity, and so. Uh, um, I think they just announced against Saudi Arabia a couple of days ago, said uh, officially they're joining more countries are going to pile on. They have the meeting, I think, in Kazan, Tatarstan, uh, Russia later this year. And so um, your thoughts on on BRICS and whether it could ever become uh, something. Uh, well, it is nothing. There's only one thing in uh, BRICS or maybe two things in BRICS, which is Russia and China. And they uh, work well together without having uh, another layered organization on top of them. Uh, so I don't see any importance of BRICS except that uh, these non-entities, these nobody countries want to become a part of BRICS to make it look as if they can be a part of a party uh, that they get invited to uh, because they don't get invited to a lot of other, uh, you know, if they want to get invited to G7 or APEC, um, they don't get invited. So they want to feel good about themselves. They want to promote to their own citizens that they have formed a, a very unique club. Argentina did the right thing by not joining uh, BRICS. Uh, BRICS has no value. Uh, when you're trading with Saudi, Saudi Arabia, you are tra if, if effectively trading in US dollars because Saudi Arabian currency is pegged to the US dollar. United Arab Emirates' currency is pegged to the US dollar. So there is no uh, Saudi Arabia or UAE without the US dollar. Um, China already has currency swap agreements with Russia and Saudi Arabia. So I don't even see any value of BRICS except that these nobody non-entity countries like India and uh, uh, Brazil, think that they can become more visible in the international affairs by being a part of this nobody organization. Would you liken it to, to something, you know, BRICS like a second tier G7 or something? Or And do you think there could be a point eventually where all these countries piling into BRICS they keep signing these different agreements um, and 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 uh, doing bilateral trade with each other and, and building these different um, economic uh, corridors. That eventually, you know, they could go somewhere, or or you don't think? No, because they don't trust each other. Uh, you know, even the two best countries, Russia, two best friends, uh, Russia and, and and India, cannot trade among each other without using the U.S. dollar. Um, uh, India is now not able to buy a lot of Russian oil because Russia is refusing to accept uh, Indian rupee. Uh, they need the US dollar. Um, um, I, I think the only country that matters is China, China and maybe Russia. Um, so instead of talking about BRICS, the world should be talking about China and Russia and ISIL and understand whether they are capable of taking over uh, leadership of the world. Uh, unfortunately, they are not capable enough to take over leadership of the world. Uh, so we really have nothing ap apart from America. America is here to stay for the foreseeable future. The unfortunate thing is that we will see, we are already seeing visible deterioration of 
America's influence uh, in the world. As you can see with uh, the trade impact that uh, that uh, Yemen's uh, civil war is leading to in, in, in the ocean trade. So America's influence is deteriorating very rapidly. And unfortunately, uh, America is now appointing leaders who are relatively brain dead. So uh, th uh, that is unfortunately uh, leading to a fall of respect for America in the world affairs as well. I did want to get your further thoughts um, on, on on that, the U.S. and um, elections, but it's it's time for our break. Again, people can go to jayantbandari.com and, and find uh, all of the work there uh, as well. Go to lourockwell.com, which is a great website. Uh, they published his um, an article of his today. We'll we'll be right back. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. You know, there's no escaping from the liberal propaganda. If you sat down to escape into NBC's show Chicago Med last Wednesday, this is the crap you had shoved down your throat. Wait, why are you moving my wife? Sir, please, it's just temporary. Hey, Mr. Martin. Okay, what's going on? Did you two authorize this? Mr. Martin, my apologies. It appears we're momentarily well, You think capacity. I don't see what's going on, but you, you're giving all the rooms to them. Hold on now. Same thing happened at my kid's school. They commandeered her gym for a shelter. Look, wait, I assure you we have enough resources to take care of everyone. No, we don't. People keep saying that, but we just don't, okay? The whole volleyball season got canceled, and my daughter needed that for a scholarship, and now my wife. She's obviously not receiving your full attention. How come nobody's looking out for us? A legitimate question. They're kicking his wife out to make room for an illegal alien. I understand that this is an inconvenience, but we do need to free up this room, okay? Go no, ahead. Get away from her! Wait, Wait. Please. Stop handling me! Get away from me! Get off Damn, of me! Mr. Mark. Get off of me! Get off of me! And the racist white man gets taken away by the police. Exactly what he deserves. <laughs> Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days. They haven't drank anything. They're cold, they're dehydrated. As soon as we started our descent, everywhere I could see was mud. Just absolutely mud. You know, the country has been long for drought so long. It was like a tinderbox waiting to go up. Okay, very heavy. Each of us wants to be part of the solution. And we can be. Remember that there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into your unit and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... Uh, okay. And around the world. For any animal in any disaster. So let's focus on that, right? Be part of the solution. One rescue at a time. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. All right, we're back. It's our final segment here with Jayant Bandari. And I was looking at the website. Um, if you want to tell us uh, a bit about your next Capitalism and Morality 2024 seminar, it'll be in Vancouver. And I see Saturday, June 1st. So that's what, in just uh, about four months. And you've got some interesting folks uh, speaking. Jeff Diaz, Rick Rule, Maxime uh, Bernier, who, who I've had on the show here. I, I think I was the first on TNT to uh, interview him. If you want to tell us about uh, the upcoming seminar. 
Uh, well, I mean, uh, uh, I, I absolutely love Maxime Bernier, and I do hope he becomes the Prime Minister of Canada. Um, uh, he has the right way of thinking to put Canada back on track. That is our only hope. Um, I invite uh, people to come and talk about uh, Western philosophy, Western uh, what um, uh, things that we don't normally talk about, things which are hidden behind the wall of political correctness. So I bring those kind of speakers to talk talk about topics that they would that that are not allowed elsewhere. Um, I have been running this seminar for the last 14 years in downtown Vancouver. And as you rightly said, it's on the 1st of June uh, uh, in uh, at the Simon Fraser University uh, uh, building uh, this year. And uh, I'm not sure if you, uh, I, I, I'm just curious, you're having Walter Block uh, speaking, and I, I know of him, I don't know very much uh, about him, but I, I don't know if you caught this, just this week, there's been, I've just seen on Twitter, um, some people, some other libertarians like Michael Reckenwald disowning Walter Block. Did, did you catch any of that? Um, well, I did not. Does this have anything to do with the Palestinian-Israeli issue? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Walter Block wrote two fabulous articles on the uh, Israeli-Palestinian issue. Uh, and I uh, liked that those articles. I actually wrote back to him saying that he helped me understand the issues better. Uh, but then he had uh, an audio discussion with someone, a Palestinian libertarian, uh, and that I thought was a complete disaster. Uh, he almost seemed to show as if... Uh, uh, Israel has no, uh, no, no, nothing solid with it. Um, I am uh, very much on the side of Israel in terms of what is happening right now, but uh, I can understand that a lot of people uh, got pissed off with uh, the, at least that audio interview that uh, Walter Block had. Mm -hmm. And I want to go back. You mentioned Argentina. Uh, I think a week or two ago, I had a young man on the program from Argentina, Agustin Beldi, who uh, participated in the local uh, in the local aspect of uh, Millet's presidential um, campaign, uh, and he was very bullish on Millet. He was saying it was the biggest, you know, fifty six percent vote. All the young people love him. What's your sort of view on Argentina, uh, Millet, and the direction they're going? Uh, well, clearly, Argentina is the best country in Latin America, and it will continue to be the best country. Um, uh, uh, I quite like Argentina, but at the same time, one must remember that Argentina is a lifestyle country. Uh, it is a, not a country that is necessarily underpinned by the concept of ideas and philosophy. I think Argentina got very lucky by having Millet as the president. Uh, but I think uh, my guess is, and I don't understand the politics so well, but my understanding is that he got voted into power because people were unhappy with other parties. But that does not mean that Argentinians really voted for him because of his libertarian policies. So once they start becoming uh, uh, more comfortable, once they... Um, uh, they they start, uh, you know, once they have bread on the table and once they start thinking in terms of trying to get more free stuff from the government, uh, they can very easily get rid of him again and bring back uh, another socialist. Uh, but I'm very impressed with what he has done so far and the fact that 
Argentinians have so far supported him. I'm very, very uh, uh, happy about it. Well, we'll see what happens. And and what about, you know, in, in the U.S., um, it looks like it's going to be a Biden-Trump rematch. Ron DeSantis is out. Vivek Ramaswamy is out. Uh, Nikki Haley, most people say, uh, you know, uh, won't be able to, to, to cut it. But now we have films coming out uh, in two months, Civil War movie, uh, right? And we've got this standoff uh, between the federal government and Texas National Guard, uh, seemingly. Some people, you know, I've interviewed last year, I interviewed Colonel Douglas McGregor, who said he, he um, we might not even have an election. So it's it's kind of worrying. And I've got, I feel like it can go in either direction. Um, what sort of your feeling? Well, I really hope Trump wins the election. Um, and I was uh, very happy with uh, the candidates, uh, the Republican Party candidates. Uh, you know, DeSantis uh, is very good. I was okay with Vivek. Um, and I'm uh, very, I, I'm, I hope Trump comes back to America. It will delay um, decay of America by four or five years. Uh, and that's the best hope that we can have uh, from America right now. Um, uh, but uh, as you rightly alluded to, uh, whosoever wins will not be accepted by the other group. Uh, and uh, that is uh, not, does not look very good for the, for the peaceful future, the peaceful immediate future of uh, the U.S. It's going to be a difficult um, time. And then I, I saw you on a space, um, on, on Twitter, a Twitter space talking about Asia and then maybe to getting your thoughts on the economy uh you know what's interesting for you good you know the good the bad and the ugly uh things are not looking good and so uh what's sort of your pulse on the economy and then what regions uh, of the world are um you know most uh looking up uh so i i have been very optimistic about east asian countries japan korea china singapore hong kong Taiwan, and I continue to be. I, I was recently in Shenzhen, um, and when I first was in Shenzhen, um, let's say 17 years back, uh, there were bars uh, outside all the apartments, the way you just described your gated community in Mexico. Um, it, there was a huge security problem in Shenzhen. Women were afraid of going out uh, in the dark, et cetera, et cetera. Now, uh, Shenzhen makes it feel as if I'm in Singapore because women come and leave their purses on the table in food in the food court and go away for 10 or 15 minutes to pick up their food. So they are so they feel so safe in Shenzhen. I very much like China um, uh, and I continue to see improvements in China. Now I know that there are economic hiccups in China and people are worried about it. I don't see it with my own eyes. Uh, young people, young Chinese are worried about what's happening in their economy. And uh, some people even contemplate leaving China. But overall, as a nation, I continue to be very optimistic about China. I think they will uh, have some problems for the next couple of years, uh, but uh, I think they have the energy and the motivation and the entrepreneurialism to overcome those uh, problems that they have. And I think uh, China will pick up uh, growth again, and it will continue to be one of the better countries on the planet. One key reason behind the success of East Asia is that they have decided to stay homogeneous. They don't accept migrants. 
Um, they they don't accept refugees. None of these countries will accept refugees, uh, and uh, they want to focus on improvement of their own populations. And um, yeah, that, that, that's uh, I probably agree with you there. And I do live in a gated community, but it's not that bad where where I am. It's it's relatively safe, but still, the fact that you have to live in a gated community uh, with bars on your windows, um, it's just uh, it's nice not to. <laughs> have that um and you know in terms of investing um things you're looking at uranium seems to be very um exciting i read that the us i think they signed a bill where they're not going to sell uranium to russia anymore more which i think is um um interesting or, or purchase from russia um uh, uranium but uh you know any, any thoughts on um investing going forward uh, well, I certainly will n never advise people on speculating in commodities. It's uh, you all, almost invariably lose speculating in commodities. Um, with uranium, I can be reasonably certain that I actually want to short sell Euro uranium stocks because they have gone gone up far too much, and they have gone up on the back of this short term increase in uranium uh, uranium as a commodity price. Uh, firstly, you should not be investing in mining because of the underlying commodity, uh, but uh, uranium prices will very likely fall. Remember, a lot of ETFs uh, uh, have actually bought uranium and they have stored uranium. That has created shortage of uranium, but when they, if they ever release that uranium back into the market, there will be a huge amount of surplus in the market. There's another thing, uranium... Um, consumption for electricity purposes has continued to fall over the last five or six decades. People don't pay attention to it. Now, there are more and more uranium plants under construction, but they are always under construction. The plant that was under construction 15 years back is still under construction today. The world is short of capital. Uranium projects are very capital intensive. So if you add all these together, I am more tempted to short sell uranium mining companies that have gone up 100, 200, 300% uh, over the last few months. Uh, but I would, I usually advise people on, against uh, speculating in commodities. All right, we got about two minutes uh, left. If, if you know anything else that you think is interesting to get across, um, gold and silver uh, is always uh, interesting to get your thoughts uh, on that. But uh, you know, any uh, any final thought? Uh, well, I mean, uh, see, the world is becoming a very chaotic place. The United States, Pax America is coming to an end. This will lead to a chaotic global future. The third world countries are falling apart. Uh, you know, you talk about Pakistan or India, you talk about Sub-Saharan Africa. No one pays attention to Sub-Saharan Africa anymore uh, because it does not matter if 100,000 people get killed in Sub-Saharan Africa tonight. It is not even news anymore. I don't even know if people's uh, newspaper send their journalists to Africa anymore. Uh, so the world is uh, going to go through a huge social uh, crisis over the next few years because of the end of Pax Americana. And uh, you want to protect your wealth. And the ways to protect your wealth is to in by investing in, in, in the developed world, by investing in East Asia, and gold is a very important part of keeping some of your wealth in your own pocket. 
All right. Always great uh, having you on, Jayant. Uh, again, uh, tell us where the best places we can uh, follow you and, and uh, your projects. Uh, well, uh, come to my seminar, 1st June uh, in Vancouver, uh, but uh, my website is uh, jayanthpandari.com and everything that uh, I do goes on that website. Or maybe I make it one of these years up there to uh, Vancouver. Um, uh, we've got a lot of Mexican friends uh, up there in, in Canada. And so, all right, keep up the great work. I look forward to talking to you again uh, at some, some point uh, and I'll be right back.